Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to Any Questions, episode 15, How Do I Get Pregnant with PCOS? And as you can probably tell from the title, I have PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. Uh, That is the first time I've said that out loud and it feels a little weird, but also um, like kind of a relief. Uh, So just as a bit of background, if you are new here over the last uh, few episodes, I've been sharing that um, this is like the longest menstrual cycle I've ever had. I believe day today is day like 72 or 73 or something like that. So absolutely wild amount of time to not get my period. Um, and then I talked with my doctor and she thought it might be PCOS. So it sent me for an ultrasound, which I had last week. Um, and then I just got a call from my doctor this morning and she confirmed that yes, it looks like I do have PCOS. Um, so next steps are she's referring me to a gynecologist and we're hoping that the gynecologist will have, um, some treatment options for me, some medications she might be able to put me on. Otherwise I, um, if we're still not able to get pregnant, like if I'm still, you know, having these incredibly long cycles or no periods at all, um, the next step would be referring me to a gynecologist who specifically works with uh, fertility issues. But the problem with that is where I live, uh, that sort of a gynecologist or specialist is not covered by our provincial health care. So I'd have to pay out of pocket for services like that. Whereas if I'm just going in just for like help with PCOS, that would be covered. So crossing fingers that um, this first referral uh, well, comes through. <laughs> I get a call from that uh, gyno office and I'm able to go in and see the gynecologist sooner rather than later and that they are able to give me um, some sort of medication or treatment plan that is able to relieve uh, the PCOS symptoms so that I can get pregnant. <laughs> um, this might sound like a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo if you've never heard of PCOS before. Um, I will shed a little bit of light on that. Uh, So yeah, let let me do that right now. So this is the definition of PCOS from uh, Johns Hopkins Medicine. So, you know, pretty, (laughs) pretty legit source. Um, So they say PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome is a condition in which the ovaries produce an abnormal amount of androgens, which are male sex hormones that are usually present in women in small amounts. Um, Usually this looks like uh, cysts in the ovaries where that's where the polycystic part comes. Um, I believe they actually call them follicles. I think cyst is actually like inaccurate. Um, but usually that's one of the ways you can get diagnosed is, um, doing an ultrasound of your ovaries and seeing that there are those cysts or those follicles in there. You can also, I believe, get diagnosed through a blood test, which would check for the, um, male sex hormones in your blood. And I believe some people even get diagnosed just based on symptoms alone. Like if you have enough of the symptoms, um, they kind of assume that you do have PCOS, but I believe the standard ways are either ultrasound or blood test. So I did have my ultrasound uh, last week and I'll just sort of share a little bit about that experience because, um, well, because it's my podcast (laughs) and I can do that. Uh, But if anyone else is headed down this route, if you think you might have PCOS, if you do have it, maybe this will just um, give you some Um, answers as to what the process might look like to get diagnosed. So it was a two-part ultrasound. The first was the standard kind of ultrasound you um, would usually think of, the little 
I don't even know what it's called, like little baton thing. They put some gel on it. That's done like over the skin. So just um, down where your uterus is, kind of just below the bikini line. Um, they're doing that work, <laughs> pushing. I wish I knew any of the medical terms here. Doing that ultrasound from uh, from the outside. Typically, like exactly what you would see is if, um, you know, when people go in who are pregnant, who are getting ultrasounds of their babies, same idea, same uh, practice. Uh, unfortunately, in order to see the uterus, they ask that you have a full bladder. Um, something with how the ultrasound works, it's easier for them to find the uterus and differentiate it from the bladder if your bladder is full. So they actually ask you to like drink a bunch of water and not go pee before your ultrasound. And then they do the ultrasound, which involves pressing down on your bladder. So you can imagine, not very comfortable. I was a little bit nervous, especially because when I was uh, waiting for my appointment, you know, they were a little bit behind. So I did have to wait. So I was just sitting there being like, oh my God, I gotta pee, I gotta pee. <laughs> um, but luckily that part was very quick. And then the second part of the ultrasound is a transvaginal ultrasound. So that's where they um, have a little camera that goes up the vagina, as you can imagine, and they're taking photos uh, inside there of all the all the fun things, you know, the, the uterus, the ovaries, all that good stuff. Um, they did express a few times that, you know, this part is optional. So if that's not something you're comfortable with, you can say no, but of course it helps them have a much better picture of what's going on. And if you ever had um, a pap test, I actually found this way less invasive. Um, they, at least the place that I did that, they were, uh, for oh, important to note, they let you go pee before you have to do the transvaginal part. Thank goodness. I uh, did not realize that I was going to get to go pee between the two ultrasounds. So thank God that was great. Uh, they actually ask you to like totally empty, empty your bladder uh, as much as you can. So that was <laughs> wonderful. Um, but you basically lie back, you know, you have the sheet covering um, everything and you're sort of not wearing any clothing from uh, the waist down. And then what they do is they actually hand you the camera, like the camera is on a wand, they hand it to you under the sheet and you're the one who inserts it. And then the ultrasound uh, technologist is the one who kind of moves it around, but you're the one who actually like inserts it into your body, which uh, I thought was actually really cool. Um, I'm not sure if that's standard across all uh, offices or hospitals or whatever, but uh, that was my experience. And um, I found that very, uh, well, a little bit shocking because I didn't see it coming, <laughs> um, but like kind of empowering that I got to be the one doing that piece and it didn't feel as invasive. Whereas to me, at least a pap test feels way more invasive, like people are all up in there. Um, and then everything else is done, like the technologist is obviously moving the wand around and you can kind of feel that, but it's just like slight pressure. It's not too uncomfortable. Um, and they're just looking at their screen. So nobody's, you know, got their face all up in your, in your areas. Um, so that was my experience, no pain, um, just like slight, slight discomfort. And honestly, the worst part of it was just having to pee, uh, before the first ultrasound. Um, so I had that done Friday and then, uh, today I'm recording on a Tuesday and that's when my doctor called with the results. So it was a really fast turnaround, which uh, was really awesome. And I think that's mostly because my husband works at the hospital. So I had a little bit of an in there. Um, so that was the ultrasound experience for me. And that was how I sort of got my official diagnosis. But I did have some symptoms, which is what uh, encouraged my doctor to give me the rec requisition form, <laughs> I think it's called, uh, to get the ultrasound in the first place. So the big uh, symptom for me was the irregular period. But I wanted to go over a list of PCOS symptoms uh, in case any of these things, um, if you're hearing this and you're saying, yep, that's me, that's me, that's me, this might be your sign that it's time to talk to your healthcare provider and see if there is something you can do. Honestly, even just getting the diagnosis, even if you don't do anything with it, um, can be really empowering just to have that answer, to know what's going on, um, to know that there are 
uh, a lot of people out there with this same <laughs> fighting these same battles can be really uh, supportive and helpful to know. So uh, common symptoms of PCOS include missed, irregular, or very light periods, ovaries that are large or have many cysts, excessive body hair, including hair on the chest, stomach, and back, which is called hirsutism, which I'm sure I'm saying wrong, <laughs> uh, weight gain, especially around the belly, the abdomen, and this is due to the fact that a lot of people with PCOS are insulin resistant, which is just like a whole nother can of worms, um, acne or oily skin, male pattern baldness or thinning hair, infertility, small pieces of excess skin on the neck or armpits, also known as skin tags, dark or thick patches of skin on the back of the neck and the armpits and under the breasts. So just for me reading that list, there's a bunch of things I'm saying, yep, 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 this explains my lovely chin hair <laughs> um, and, you know, things like that. Uh, so unfortunately, those symptoms all are pretty rough, uh, not things that you want to... Um, be dealing with at all. I also wanted to read out this quote from Healthline. Um, it says, according to the Centers for Disease Control, so CDC, up to 12% of women in the United States have difficulty getting pregnant because of untreated PCOS. In reality, this number might be bigger because almost 50% of women with the syndrome don't know they have it or are not diagnosed correctly. So this is a common um, or common syndrome, I guess, poly, yeah, I guess polycystic ovary syndrome. It is a common syndrome. It does affect a lot of women a lot of women of childbearing age, um, a lot of these symptoms, you know, these are things I know friends who have dealt with different pieces of this and I, you know, maybe they have PCOS, maybe they don't. I have a few friends who are vocal and share that they have PCOS, you know, they were able to get that diagnosis. So this is something that affects a lot of people. And if it's you, um, you're not alone. There is a huge community of people out there who have PCOS and who are dealing with the symptoms and, uh, you know, trying to get pregnant or trying not to get pregnant wherever you are in life with that, but you are certainly not alone. So on my side of things, um, background, I suspected I had PCOS, especially, you know, this very long, long cycle that I'm currently in. Um, I thought it might be PCOS. I do have some of the other symptoms. So it wasn't super surprising when my doctor called to say, yes, you know what, it does look like PCOS. Um, it was actually nice to have a diagnosis. I think it would have been a lot scarier if she called and said, nope, like, you know, no cysts in there. It doesn't look like PCOS. And then we have to figure out what the heck else is causing this very long, long cycle that I'm on. It's kind of nice to have um, something that's known that, you know, there's research for that there are some treatment options for not there's not really a cure for PCOS and the cause of PCOS isn't really known. Um, but uh, there are some treatment options or things you can do to sort of work with the symptoms to have make sure that they uh, don't affect your fertility as much as is usual, if that makes any sense. Um, there's also just like a ton of information out there. There's lots of books and websites and Instagram accounts and all that sort of thing. So there's a lot to dive into, which is both exciting and a little bit intimidating. So I googled today's episode question, how do I get pregnant with PCOS? And um, basically, it sort of falls into, I'm going to call it four different categories of like things you can do to uh, help you get pregnant. And basically, all of them work to lessen the severity of the symptoms of PCOS, because it's those symptoms that are messing with fertility, making it hard to, um, you know, ovulate on time or ovulate at all and get pregnant. So basically, you address the symptoms. And that's um, how you sort of I guess, temper the effects of PCOS and get pregnant. So the first is maintaining a healthy weight. Um, I am 
a little bit nervous to talk about this on the podcast because I think there is just so um, there's so much danger in this topic because of all of the uh, diet culture crap and fat phobia in our world and the fact that you know there is all this weight stigma. Um, literally, the same article that tells you that weight gain is a symptom of PCOS, the fact that people with PCOS are insulin resistant, which makes it really hard to lose weight, um, which makes sugar cravings like a hormonal thing, not just someone who, oh, I love a little, you know, I have a sweet tooth, but it's like a hormonal craving for sugar and uh, like a hormonal difficulty in losing weight. And that the first piece of advice they give you is lose weight um, is I think really scary, really toxic, not at all looking at a behavior, like telling someone to maintain a healthy weight. That's not a behavior. That's not something you can physically do. That's just like, oh, you know, here's here's the end result. Okay, but how do I get there? Um, so for me personally, and hopefully for you, I don't want to go into a thing of, you know, dangerous dieting, weighing myself all the time, doing things that are scary. Um, I would rather focus on things I can actually control. So I don't want to be fighting against my insulin resistance and doing like unhealthful behaviors and focusing all my attention on weight and how to lose weight, that's just going to be really ugly for both my mental and physical health. And I think more and more people are waking up to the idea that like, you know, this, there's other ways to calculate health that are not about weight and that it's better to focus on behaviors you can actually control. And, you know, the biggest predictor of having, you know, back and forth, yo-yo weight, weight gain and stuff like that is all these failed diets and exercise regimes. And I just know for myself, if I have a ton of focus on things I'm not allowed to eat or, you know, exercise that I have to do and things like that, that's what leads me into a really ugly um, mental health state where I'm just focused on food all the time. So I definitely do not want to do that. I don't want to have any sort of restrictions or things like that. That's not helpful for me. And I know that. Um, which leads into the second point that uh, articles are saying is, you know, how you can get pregnant is healthy diet and exercise. So again, I will not be doing any sort of restrictive eating or diet plans, weight loss, things like that. That's just really not going to be good for my mental and physical health. I know that that's not a route I want to go down, um, but I do want to find ways to sort of add in healthful nutrition. So doing a little bit more learning about um, some nutrition practices that work well for people with PCOS and what things can I add into my diet? What can I, you know, pair things together, but not restricting, um, which again leads into point number three here, which is to balance your blood sugars. Um, so this is a big point with PCOS because a lot of people with PCOS do have that insulin resistance. Um, so there is a lot of advice to try to balance your blood sugar and the old method of thinking, which I think uh, some dietitians still tout is just, okay, eliminate like no carbs, no sugars, no white flours, none of that stuff. But of course, um, like I just said, people with that insulin resistance, some of that is that sugar craving. So instead of saying, you know, absolutely nothing, cut it all out. It's more about pairing, um, you know, carbs and sugars with proteins and fats and things like that. So I need to do a lot more research on this. And I'm certainly not going to be turning this into like a diet or nutrition or um, you know, recipe <laughs> podcast or anything like that. But I'm going to be looking for ways that I can sort of balance my blood sugar with pairing foods together, with um, adding in certain snacks or ingredients or recipes or whatever, and not completely cutting out um, sugars and carbs and whatnot, because that's stuff that I enjoy. And it's just not realistic to cut it out. And I also just think that's not, um, not like a, a good way to live to just say that you're completely cutting off uh, certain things like 
think that's really unhealthy. And the last uh, piece of advice that these articles give about getting pregnant with PCOS is medications. So there are medications that you can go on to help balance your insulin levels, to balance your estrogen, to balance testosterone, as well as fertility medications that you can go on to help jumpstart ovulation. So again, those four sort of advice points that um, articles out there are giving out in terms of how to get pregnant with PCOS is maintaining a healthy weight, with all the caveats we already talked about, um, getting into a healthy diet and exercise regime, balancing your blood sugars, and possibly going on medication. So <laughs> things that I want to do. Here's sort of like my to-do list now that I have this PCOS diagnosis. First thing I want to do is a lot more research. I want to find some resources out there that I trust that are giving really good data-based empirical uh, research, but that also are not going to damage my mental health. So looking for Hayes practitioners, Hayes stands for health at every size, um, non-diet dietitians, and uh, finding resources out there that are providing things that I can actually incorporate into my life uh, for the long term and that aren't going to hurt my mental health or other aspects of my physical health. Um, I'm going to look to add in some more healthful nutrition. So like I said, that pairing of the, you know, the proteins and the fats with the carbs, um, seeing what easy additions I can make to uh, what I'm already eating, as well as adding in some more joyful movement. I've had sort of a rocky relationship with exercise throughout my life, and I really want to find ways to make it um, something joyful and exciting, you know, moving my body uh, just for myself, but also, you know, getting it ready, hopefully one day for pregnancy and childbirth and not something where, you know, exercise is punishment and you have to do it in order to work off the food, but really just finding like fun ways to move. Um, so I'm excited to sort of dive into that a little bit more and get a little bit more of a routine, still make it really joyful, still make it like movement I want to be doing in the moment. Um, but having a bit more of a routine where I do uh, just have some more movement in my life because a lot of my day is spent uh, sitting in front of a laptop. Um, I also think I'm going to look into some sort of like, you know, vitamins or supplements or things like that. I find that whole world a little bit hippy dippy. Um, I definitely... Uh, <laughs> don't want to be getting into like long lists of supplements and things like that. I think a lot of that is kind of BS, um, not really my thing, uh, but I am definitely open to looking into it a little bit more. And if it's like, you know, one or two things I can quickly add into my routine and it's not going to break the bank or, you know, do any other damage, it probably doesn't hurt to try them. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with uh, those things that I can do on my own side. So researching, adding in that healthful nutrition, adding in the joyful movement, looking at vitamins slash, slash supplements, as well as, of course, waiting for that gyne gynecologist, <laughs> gynecologist appointment and uh, hopefully being able to get some sort of fertility medication um, from that that will help jumpstart ovulation. Um, so my outlook on this whole thing, I think I am equal parts relieved and overwhelmed. I am very relieved to have a diagnosis, to be able to say I have PCOS, you know, it's something I can Google. There are resources out there, lots of people, you know, who have books and podcasts and Instagram accounts and whatnot, um, courses, I'm sure that they're selling to sort of help people manage these symptoms. You know, um, I don't know if you can ever get out of being, of having PCOS. I don't know if it's something that's with you forever, but there are lots of resources out there. So that's really relieving to know that there is a community, that there is help, there's support, that I have something that has a name, you know, it's not just who knows what, it's not a mystery. Um, but at the same time, it's very overwhelming. There is so much out there. There's a lot to learn. Um, 
And a lot of it from the, re the little research that I've done so far today feels like a lot of it is kind of on my shoulders. It's a lot of personal responsibility. And I think it's going to be a lot of fighting through a lot of like diet culture, fat phobic, weight stigma crap that I'm going to have to dig through. Um, I'm dreading the day I go to the doctor and they say, well, just lose weight. Like, okay, that's not, that's not a behavior. That's, you can't prescribe weight loss. That's not a thing. Um, and, you know, needing to fight back and stand up for myself as a person in a larger body saying like, you know what, actually I, I can get pregnant. I can have a baby. You know, losing weight is not the end all and be all here. Um, I'm a little bit worried for that sort of falling back into that sort of diet culture lifestyle. And I hope that's not something that happens. I hope I am able to find really healthy ways to incorporate some of these things into my life and not um, hurt my own uh, physical or mental health by doing anything worrying or even just the guilt. You know, I don't, I don't want that. Like I am <laughs> sitting here recording this podcast. I have a bag of, or an empty bag, shall I say, of chocolate covered raisins because I finished eating them and I enjoyed them. And I don't want to feel guilty for crap like that. Like I want to be able to eat chocolate and cookies and dessert and whatever else and that still be just part of life. And that's okay. And there's doesn't need to be any guilt um, around that. That's, that really worries me. I don't want to, you know, skip a workout and feel guilty, eat chocolate, feel guilty. Like that is such an ugly feeling. And I don't want that for myself. And I also like don't want to pass that burden onto a future child that may come from this whole <laughs> adventure. Um, I just think of it as like, you know, if I had a kid and this is how they were feeling, like, I don't want that. I just don't want, I don't want any part of that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my kid. I don't want them to know or to think that I went through something like that in order to have them. Don't love that. I'm a little bit worried about the financial burden. Like if this doesn't happen for us, if the regular gynecologist isn't able to help us out, if we're still struggling, you know, a few months from now or a year from now, and we do have to start um, getting into fertility, more specialized fertility support, I'm worried about the financial burden of that. Um, we don't really have uh, the means for this to be, you know, an expensive endeavor. I've heard of people, you know, spending 20,000, 30,000, 50, 100,000 dollars on fertility treatments and that's definitely not something we're able to do. Um not financially and probably not emotionally or physically or mentally either. So that's a bit of a worry. Um I'm worried this whole thing is just going to take a while. The fact that I am on, you know, day 72 of this cycle, just learning about my PCOS diagnosis, waiting to get uh, an appointment with a gynecologist. And it just feels like there's not, <laughs> I talked about this in previous episodes, but that, you know, that point of your cycle where you've already ovulated or you're waiting to ovulate and there's like, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do today to get pregnant um, is really hard. It's hard to live in that time. And to know that for us, that might be even longer because of this PCOS thing is difficult. I, <laughs> uh, it sucks. We, um, this weekend, we went to see some of my husband's family and they had uh, a new little baby join the family. So we got to see her, which was just beautiful and lovely. But of course, there's all this talk about babies and people asking us if we want kids and when we're thinking of kids. And even my husband saying like, you know, lovely, sweet things. Oh, you know, when it's ours, are our kids going to? And, you know, we talk about it like with so much certainty that it is happening. And I, I do believe it's going to happen. It's just so hard that it's not already happening, that we're not there, that we have to wait um, and that it could be a long wait for us. Um, but despite all of those worries, <laughs> I don't mean to end things on a downer. Despite all of those worries, I, I truly am hopeful because I know that, you know, we are taking steps 
Um, even just the fact that I was able to get that ultrasound, get this diagnosis, uh, you know, in line for an appointment, we are taking steps. We're kind of taking control of this process. We're working to make it happen. So I am hopeful. It's it's good that there are resources and supports out there, that there are things we can do. So as worried as I am, <laughs> I'm also really hopeful. And I also don't want this to take over my whole life. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, 2022 is the year I completely obsessed about making a baby and nothing else. <laughs> like I've got a lot of other things going on and I want to focus on those things as well. So relieved, overwhelmed, worried, hopeful, trying not to obsess <laughs> is the summary of where I'm at. Um, but I hope this episode was helpful. If you have PCOS or you think you might have PCOS, again, bottom line, you're not alone. And uh, please don't feel like you need to get trapped into the whole like diet culture, uh, weight loss mentality of PCOS. I really think that's um, a huge stumbling block for people with PCOS, getting stuck in that. And there are supports out there uh, that uh, don't look at weight loss or diets or things like that. So uh, find the resources. I hope this podcast was encouraging for you. If you do think you might have PCOS or you do have PCOS to know that there is support out there, there are resources, maybe you do want to you know, book that call with your doctor or whatever it is. Um, and above all, wishing us all the best of luck in this TTC journey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.